guys, you're listening to Bento Podcast. We're a podcast series for and by millennials that talks about topics and issues surrounding our generation. And we're bringing you stories of millennials from all over the world and their journey. I'm your host, Ben, and let's get this episode started. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Bento Podcast. And this is season four, episode nine. This is Journey Back Home. And we have a very special guest here today. So this particular guest, he back then was the international affairs coordinator in my graduate school. Now he's back in where he's, you know, where he came from, Nathan Faber. Welcome, Nathan. Hey, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me on. It's right. so delightful to be talking to you again, nice. uh, even though we've been separated totally unexpectedly for a long <laughs> yeah. time. But yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, Nathan here basically is the go-to guy back in the graduate school. If any international students have any problem whatsoever, like Nathan's the guy to kind of like just help you sort things out. And so I would say without Nathan, I don't think anyone would have gone this far with their degree because most of them would be stuck in day one. <laughs> definitely i'm totally not gonna totally agree i'm not i can't totally agree with that but um <laughs> yeah it's it was fun to be in a position where i could help and kind of be in touch with all the international students right so that's me yeah so just you know a backstory here so nathan has been working in china for about i'd say four or five years run about yeah four mm-hmm. or five years and uh, now he's back home in the States. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a very interesting, you know, talk to just kind of like, you know, know more about the whole process of moving to China and even moving back to the States. So I think that's going to be a very interesting uh, topic. But yeah, before we begin, Nathan, like, could you just, you know, tell us a bit about like maybe yourself or maybe your career, anything you'd like to share with the with the listeners, honestly? Okay, cool. Um, so I'm from the USA like you mentioned, and I grew up there. I did my undergraduate close to home. I grew up in Washington State in a small town called Puyallup. And then I went to school in a pretty big university, University of Washington. Um, So I stayed close to home for a long time. And then I (laughs) moved to to China. Um, I did an exchange, a year-long exchange, but then I actually moved moved for, for work after graduation. And I studied Chinese language in school and then during work and you know wanted to be in China long enough to uh, to get to the point where I considered myself fluent we can talk more about you know the process of learning Chinese and um, just the experience of being in China for a long time of course we can dig into that Um, and now after working in China I'm back in the U.S. starting graduate school at Vanderbilt University and a master's of education and it's international education policy and management and so like i'm kind of just going to continue doing what i did before but but getting more of the getting more of the research getting more of the technical things and hopefully just just building up and developing it for so the future i can do even do an even better job all right cool i mean you know you did mention like you've always stayed near home like for you know a huge part of like early part of your life like you know you go to yeah. UW which is pretty close to where you live and you pretty much have grown grown up in you know a very familiar place and then suddenly just like boom <laughs> you know the first place you've decided to go far away from home is none other like than China 
you know, which is like, I would say for an American, that would be like the furthest place you could ever imagine. So like, yeah. So like, how, how did you like decide to kind of like move to, uh, to China and like, maybe tell us a bit about your journey from actually realizing you want to go to China to actually finally, you know, moving and doing, doing that kind of like move. That leap. Yeah, I would say I'm not the type of person to have like, boom, five year plan boom, 10-year plan and kind of have this fixed idea of what I want to become and the outcomes, what I'm working for and like where I'm going to go. Uh, So it was more of a process. And I had some opportunities, but at the basic level, I think just growing up in America and being like our generation, it was like, where is the action? Where is something interesting happening? Something like a big transition and something that defines kind of our our time here. And what it felt like for me was like China and the, the development of China and uh, Chinese society, especially like um, it's in contrast to, to U.S. culture and U.S. economy and U.S. politics um, was like, if I know the U.S. or I grew up in the U.S. so I know it from a U.S. perspective, right. um, then, then, you know, try to understand that other, like, part two, that other, like, I, w- I don't want to say opposing force, but that other, like, that other side of the thing that's really important for the modern age that we live in. And so it was, like, just out of curiosity and discovery and wanting to explore and understand the world that brought me to China because, you know, I'm kind of of the type where it's like, choose something and then dig into it um, and see where it goes. And so um, I had the opportunity in high school and this is what I kind of like, some things were just luck and kind of going with the opportunities that came up. Um, So in high school, my high school, they planned a trip, like a three week trip to China in 2011. And I went on that. And so my first taste of like life way far away from the U.S. was just a trip to China and I saw it. Um, I had a a positive experience there. And when I went to undergrad, I kind of had a, you know, difficult decisions to make about the future, which I'm sure all like you and all of your listeners, and this is what you get into a lot on your podcast, which is so cool, is like, where do you go in life? How do you make these decisions about your direction and things like that? And like the spectrum is kind of, um, to like reduce it down to something a lot of the times it's like okay you have your ideals or like creativity on one side and then you kind of have like oh pragmatic and something that's functional and gonna get you money and you know status and success and things like this and it kind of feels like it's a spectrum of like one end and then the other end yeah um and I actually was coming out of an art school and so you know, I was making music with friends and I had friends that were making movies and singing and doing plays and you know I just loved all that that whole environment and community but then you get to the point where it's like you get to university and people are like no no you know (laughs) slow down there buddy don't get too into it don't get too passionate about these things you know right right and of course it's you know American culture we do kind of put on the face of like you know you do you um you know all these it's it's definitely a little different than other parts of the world where they kind of are a little stomped down on the arts and things like that a bit more for young people um So I was never like, my parents were very accepting of whatever decision I was going to make for myself, but you definitely like feel pressure of like, I want to, you know, I want to be an adult and I want to be able to take care of myself and things like this. And so 
um, like language, but like a really good balance of you're still, it's still person to person. It's still opening up to opportunities and exploring and, um, and it connects to art. It connects to culture, but at the same time, it's like a hard skill and it can open you up to jobs and um, companies and whatever, you know? So it just felt yeah. like the balance of these two things of these two like poles in different directions. And, um, and so I really think it worked out for me. And I would say if there's like young people like thinking about studying language or something, it, it is a great, great skill and can bring along opportunities, um, especially if you're someone like me, that's like, I don't have a fixed idea of what I want to be. Well, the great thing about language is it connects in any direction. You know, if I studied Chinese language and then wanted to get into, you know, becoming a nurse or medical things, well, of course there's needs for that in, in hospital environments. Or if I wanted to get into business, well, we don't even have to, you know, mention that. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, wherever I want to, wherever you want to go or, or art. And, you know, so it's like, it keeps all doors open. Right, right. So, like, uh, that's basically the origins of how Nathan became super good in Chinese. Then it was that, you know, that need of like, you wanted to learn something that was, it wasn't really like very, I wouldn't say like it was something that was flexible and mm -hmm. which just connects you to basically every aspect of life, which is language. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it felt like, okay, if I were going to do an undergrad, I, I kind of want something that's like a hard skill. I want to say, I, <laughs> I, I got something out of it you know it's like and I will also say um in some ways I think studying language is a little bit like studying music um in the sense that uh, I played piano and I was never a good piano player but I had to practice every day and I knew that a lot of people aren't good piano players but if you practice for 20 years you can be a real good piano player um, and I think languages in a sense too, it's like, you just put a little bit of work in every day and it's boring. It's dull. A lot of the times yep. you have to separate yourself from other people. Um, but if you stick with it for 10 years, you don't have to be a brilliant genius. You don't have to be super, super intellectual or great at, you know, designing experiments and analyzing data and everything. It's like, just do what kids do, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> and do what you did when you were four and five years old and do it long enough. And if you spend 10 years at Chinese language, well then, you know, you, you will eventually get somewhere with it. Yeah, you'll grow into it. And plus it looks yeah. good on your LinkedIn profile. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and I don't manicure a lot of LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile as much as <laughs> I should, but it's kind of like, well, you know, I got this and I'm always gonna have it. Uh, well, if, you, if I stick with it, you know, and so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you know, the days building up to finally you moving to China, we, we, like, what did you feel? Because I'm pretty sure like first, you know, it's the first time you're going to be like super far away from home. And I'm pretty sure like the days coming up to that day, like the day, pretty sure it's got to like, it's, it's something memorable for you. <laughs> the day for coming up to living in China. Um, well, it was like I mentioned, I, it was a little bit, a bit of a process. So before I moved to China, I did two years of Chinese language classes. And I knew that if I was actually going to have any chance of learning Chinese language, at least for me personally, go 
to China. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's yeah, kind of a, please. it's kind of necessary. Yeah. Um, maybe not for a hundred percent of people, but 95% of people, I would say. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so from the beginning of trying to learn Chinese, it was kind of like looking at my opportunities at school to do an exchange program or something in China. And, and I was looking for year long programs. And luckily there was a year long program set up by a professor in the anthropology department. And it was in coordination with uh, Sichuan University. And so cool place, great school. Um, it's a, you know, a connection between UW and the university. And so you're not working with some third party organization or something like this. Um, and so once again, a really cool chance to, you know, came up connected to China and, and I went for it. Um, and, and so I had already been to China once before. Now I was going to live there and I had two years of language study. When I got there, I found out I couldn't have any sort of conversation with people, <laughs> but at least somewhere I had the building blocks of being able to have conversations with people. Um, right. So I think I was ready for it. Um, it would be a lot harder if you had never been there and you didn't know any of the language uh, because, because then you can kind of feel like just pushed into the deep end and having no way to help yourself and save yourself. Right. Uh, so I wasn't really anxious about moving to China. Probably other people were like, you know, are you going to be okay? It's going to be <laughs> yeah. really different. <laughs> it's, you know, are you sure? And I'm kind of like, let's go for it. You know, it'll work out. Yeah, right, right. So like, you know, you've been in China for four or five years, you've clearly, you know, blended in pretty well. I mean, you've pretty much, you know, very settled down back in Shenzhen, uh, you know, uh, back where you used to be. Uh, but like, in the beginning of it, what, what are the challenges that you've faced as an expat, like to just kind of like establish yourself and just kind of like, you know, put your feet on the ground? Establish myself in China? Yeah um you mean more towards in the first experience as a student or going back to work there now nah, when you went back to work there because you know when you okay. went back to work you're going to stay there for a long time right so um well i think for me personally it's chinese language has kind of been the anchor and it's like you always it's like i always have that as a way to kind of like look for jobs and so i would always like for me I would try to think, okay, is this position going to be a place where I can keep developing my personal skills? Right. Um, and so I, so since I could always find that sense of purpose within myself, I wasn't always like expecting that from my external environment. And, you know, and so I could always like go back and be with my books and be with a TV show and be with Chinese music and things like this and have this in environment where it's like, I can satisfy, have a sense of purpose and meaning and direction for myself personally and i think that's really important for people in like this especially in this world of uncertainty to be able to find something within yourself that gives you that sense of a little bit of control but just like direction and growth and you know that you're doing that you can that you're doing something that's going to help you out and be right. meaningful um and uh when i when i went back to work I had graduated and applied for a position while I was in the US. And so it was like, I already knew, it was like, I was going somewhere that was set up, you know, that right. I had, I'd already accepted a job. I'd been through the visa, the work, the work application and things like this. And so 
um, like I was going somewhere and, and thankfully when I got there, whether it was um, my first job in Hong Kong or my second job in Shenzhen, when I got there, there were very supportive people. Right. And I'll bring it back to language once again, one of the great things for me, and I would recommend this for people thinking about moving to a place is um, language helps you solve your own problems and be more self, more self-sufficient. Nobody's, nobody should try to be totally autonomous or totally um, self, you know, it's like, it's good to rely on other people or to share your hardships with yeah. people sometimes and things yeah. like this and allow others to help you when you need it. Um, but the, also there's a lot of satisfaction that comes from being able to solve your own problems. And a lot of expats get in the situation and I have living experience in China. So I'm going to connect more things to China, but I don't want, if there's like Chinese people listening or something for them to feel like it's their country that's hard or it's their culture that's hard, or it's people that, you know, go to China for the first time that only have challenges. I'm saying wherever you go, there's going to be challenges. Oh, yeah. But for me, most of my stories are going to connect back to China. Uh, you, I see a lot of expats in China and it's like, when you are, when you can't solve your own problems and you're always relying on other people, it can build a sense of like resentment or bitterment or bitterness, or just like you always kind of feel like, oh, how can they do it? Like, how can they do it like this? How come they don't do it like that? Or, you know, because it doesn't feel good to always you know, not be able to help yeah. yourself. <laughs> it kind of so sucks. Yeah. A really big part of like adjusting to a place um, right. and like successfully integrating into another culture is putting like putting in the hours to putting in the work to learn a little bit of the language because then you get to the point where you can help yourself and that's big right so like after living four to five years in china like you you might i'm pretty sure you've considered china like a second home at this point like Mm -hmm. how do you think your life or your experience living in china have kind of like changed your expectations on living in general because you know it's it's two very different places and i'm pretty sure you're used to something in china to kind of like now feel yeah you know (laughs) i'm used to this now yeah this is a great question like what are your expectations in life (laughs) Um, (laughs) and i would say um maybe there's a lot of different ways to think about this question but for me it's given me a sense of like connectedness to the world. Um, I've mentioned this a few times, like a sense of purpose. Right. When I was at my position, I think there's a lot of satisfaction or like you, if I was in a position where I could like help others and be solving right. problems for others. And then in this environment where they were also like getting an education and doing really interesting things and then moving on and and going somewhere totally, you know, they could go in a bunch of different directions and then do amazing things that I could say, wow, wow that's so, you know, that's, that's so cool. So I, I wasn't like stuck in a, in a company with the same people all the time doing the same things all the time. Um, and so one of the great things about China, I guess, is like, I came from a small town and now I've changed so much. And the places I've been are so, you know, so far away. I have this like sense of purpose and connectedness to a lot of, you know, people from all over the world, cultures from all over the world, um, kind of like developing this sense of like global citizenship. And that's what China has done for me. Um, I think just the idea that life can change so much that you can change so much 
is kind of like something that I would have never understood or felt um, before coming to China and having this experience. But it just takes time and like sticking with it, and then you can do it. And um, and so I think like for people, it's like make those decisions and make big changes in your life or small changes and incrementally do it. Um, but a lot of times, like people are unsatisfied because they're restless because they want to go somewhere. They want to do something a little different. But like, if you don't have the habit of like just going and making a big change um, or devoting yourself to something new, then then you can kind of get in the feelings of being stuck or burned out somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so like China's kind of given me this like, okay, you can like, yeah, you can keep pushing forward. You can keep moving. Um, you can feel challenged. Um, but also capable, yeah. Right, right. So in a way, China has, has kind of like opened your eyes to the world. Yeah, yeah. Windows sure. to the world, basically. Yeah, I mean, and not just open my eyes, but like, Brandon, I got you. I got, <laughs> I got all these other people, you know, it's like connections and relationships yeah. and I've learned so much and I've That's seen true. so much. Um, and so, you know, one reason, oh, I'm the guy that was helping out students and now I'm a student. Well, it's because, you know, <laughs> I'm inspired by you guys a lot of the times it's, or it's, you know it's I think pretty it's weird yeah and we you know, we challenge each other and we, it's just a sense of like development and uh, you know some ambition and things like that yeah no nah, definitely definitely and like one other thing like this is a bit more on a lighter note like are you super used to not having your, your wallet on you? Because that's that's the one thing that I've felt <laughs> while in China because I don't bring my wallet anywhere. And suddenly now I'm back to a place where I can't live without it. And it's like one extra load of burden in my nah, life. man. I adjusted to a lot of things, but I always had my wallet with me. Really? I'd always had this insecurity about like dead phone. And then what do you do? Because for people, oh, I don't okay. know, some context is like, you don't really need your wallet in China because if you have your phone, you can pretty much anything. link to all public services, yeah. um, link to all shopping and things like this. Yeah. Uh, but I always carried it with a little bit of cash so like at least enough for a taxi ride home if i you know needed to get home or something like that um wait do they accept yeah, cash I think I'm a like... little bit old-fashioned that way but um i was reading this i forget where i got this but like for young people it's like right. what's the most terrifying thing and like they said like not having a cell phone like gives you that sense of insecurity and it, it like does. that you don't have safe that you're danger you're threatened it's like you we just get that sense if we have a, if we don't have our phone dead and it's like at least a, one little thing i could do to help is like have a wallet to at least get myself <laughs> out of a sticky situation when i need it wow okay because i've never had a wallet with me like for the time all the time that i've been in shenzhen all my wallet has been inside my suitcase the whole time it what? never came out it no never way. came out like literally it never came out i thought i would need it and i'm like you know what i don't <laughs> well, that's that's awesome that's hilarious yeah like um, honestly yeah. i was surprised that you were still bringing your wallet with you because i didn't i don't know anyone like from my class who actually have a wallet on them like when, even when we go for like a, a party of 10 10 of us would be walletless so like yeah here's the thing party of 10 yeah that party can get messy and somebody's <laughs> got to be able to get you home. <laughs> so I'm going to be that guy that can get you home <laughs> with my, with my uh, you know, 100 or 200 RMB that I have in cash money. 
<laughs> do they accept cash though because i know a lot of them like kind of like are, are kind of annoyed if you like give them cash because i'm like like you know yeah um yeah they it it is i think kind of annoying and irritating for them but cabs would still accept it and a lot of times they do have change and actually if they don't have change i had this guy that like popped out he like yeah like drivers can be so patient in china i i really love that is like they'll just wait for you for 10 minutes you know and they'll be like oh you know chilling and looking yeah. at the phone yeah. or whatever they do and like wow i don't know how it's going to work in america but it's definitely not going to work like that but yeah. anyways back to small change um yeah so the guy he didn't have small change so he popped out of his car he went and bought a pack of cigarettes with some cash and then got small change so he could you know whatever give me the money that that i was owed or something um so they might even do that for you wow. but i always kept my wallet i think it's just out of habit and um i like to ride public buses uh -huh. because i didn't have a car and right. i kind of like the experience of being like looking at the city and driving by the city more than the experience of being in a crowded subway yeah um and so for a long time like i've always had a actually when i went to high school i went to high school like riding public buses and so it's like and in in university also like had a bus card so i've always had like a bus card and i don't know what that is i figured out a while in that i just kind of attached to some of the things in my wallet oh, okay. and like having a card that I just click when I get on a bus and you know it's like I've always had that yeah, it's yeah. weird but um little things like that and probably kept my wallet around just habit and wow. sense of security right and speaking of habits by the way is there any new habit that you've picked up while you, you've been living in China for four to five years? I've picked up a new habit of not bringing a wallet and I've been there for like maybe half that's a gonna year get you in trouble so <laughs> Any habit you've picked up while you're in China? I'm pretty sure there um, is. For sure. A, a million. Like I said, I think I'm like pretty, a lot of the things I've kind of taken on as far as like living in China for so long. And now all my habits have been affected a little bit. Um, I hang clothes. I really don't like dry, like using a dryer anymore because I feel <laughs> like it's like, damaging a lot to like clothing and things like this. And like, um, so I got in the habit of hanging clothes and they don't have dryers in, in China. Um, and so like, even at my house the other day, I'm like doing laundry and all of a sudden I go in the backyard and like hanging all the clothes. And my mom's like, we did that in the sixties at my place, but like, <laughs> we don't have anything. We don't have any like proper equipment to hang clothes, but I still do it. Uh, and the neighbors come over and we're like cracking up about it. Um, I drink tea every day. Wow. Um, okay. My diet has changed a lot. I don't like sweet things, which is very rare. Well, I like sweet things, but I don't really try to, I don't get an appetite. I don't get, right. you know, like you cravings for, for sweet it. things. Yeah. Um, taking naps. Well, oh my God. I was so anti-nap before I went to China. And right. now I'm yeah. like, like sometimes just a 30 minute, you know, because we would shut down <laughs> the office, turn off the lights. People had like roll out cots. I could just, you know, doze off for a while. Um, yeah. Some, some great habits. Yeah. I mean, like, I think this is the one thing that a lot of people who have not been in China for a long time don't know is that naps is like a national thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's almost like a national sport. They would do it every single day. On people lunch are sport. passionate about it. People are really into naps. Like, it's a mm -hmm. thing. They're even like, nap I think acknowledge the benefits that it could have. Um, I know it's happening. I haven't been so in touch with U.S. culture, but I know something I, well, I feel like I've read about it. So I guess I, I feel like I have some understanding of it. But like, it seems like people are really questioning sleep in the U.S. or like 
trying to improve their sleep and right. you know all these little life hacks and one of those i guess is you know how to sleep better or whatever so the benefits right. of rest and things like that um i think a 30 minute nap in the afternoon or at noon or whatever after lunch it probably has it seems to have a lot of positive effects now there are some pretty funny things about it in china it's like you know the office is just shut down yeah. turn off the lights like i mentioned and like you you just you know roll up put a blanket get in bed and you know doze off it's so funny because it's so different um and like a lot of times i actually don't lock the office so like maybe you or some other student walks in and you know it's like oh there's nathan just sleeping <laughs> you know there's his co-workers <laughs> laying you don't down see in this bed. anywhere else <laughs> That's weird. i mean like wait so like is it is it a thing to for you guys to have beds in the office or do you have kind of like chairs that kind of folds into a bed? Oh, there's a lot of different ways to get your nap time. <laughs> uh, they have these like false desks uh, or false drawers, I guess would be more like it. So it looks like a normal desk drawer, but actually you pull it out and it turns into a bed now this is wow. gonna sound like magic the way i'm explaining it to somebody who's never seen it, it it's like crazy yeah <laughs> um so well, some people do have like cots or whatever you call it you know so right. something like a bed to lay down on uh, that's not ubiquitous some people just have like a pillow and they put their head down on a pillow and just lean over on their desk um and okay, yeah and so it's all culturally acceptable you know you have about an hour and a half or two hours um depending on your office to to just have a break from work and you know people aren't going to do the normal they're not going to do office functions and so you also get used to when you're living in china to like not go to offices during lunch hours and things like that yeah, yeah oh I, and I just a funny that. one more thing about this is when i came i was like doing all my check-in process in my new apartment in the u.s right. and this lady she's, she knew i was coming from china she's like oh we just had a chinese person uh, who just came from China and he got his keys yesterday and he asked me this is totally random she's like and he asked me do you take naps <laughs> she's, like, she's like is that normal in China and I'm like oh that's hilarious you know it's totally normal and the reason he was asking is because that's when the offices would be closed so he was really asking like right. is there time like between noon or whatever when he wouldn't be able to get any services you know administrative services um and it's so funny you know it's like because if you ask a u.s person just like uh hi i'm you know i'm new to the u.s and it's great i love this apartment and do you guys take naps <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's gonna be like the first thing everyone's gonna expect like do you take naps yeah. <laughs> and a that, great that, that is true us. though that that's kind of like a i think a reverse culture no, not exactly a reverse culture shock but for the chinese i think it would be a bit surprising to see people actually working like after lunch yeah. and not mm -hmm. sleeping mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I mean, I think that's one one day to, I mean, one thing to kind of put into the listener's head from now on, considering we have 50% yeah. American listeners. So next time a Chinese person come on to you and like ask you whether you had a nap, now you <laughs> Yeah. And um, I think both are legitimate. Uh, both are like nap can get you recharged for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, but also some people, I guess, like to power through. If you don't nap and that's what you do, um, just power through until five or five thirty, and then you can maybe get off work a little earlier. And, yeah. Right. So there's reasons, you know. I wouldn't go to China and be like, oh, you know, 
oh, nap time. Wow, 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 wow. It's like, no, it's like, <laughs> obviously, there's a lot of overtime that's happening and there's a lot of hard work that's happening. Too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So speaking of, um, you know, moving back from China, not, uh, not to China, but moving back from China, how was your, uh, how was your final days in China? Because uh, I think we were in touch, I think, couple days before you left or i think a week before you left i'm not sure but yeah how were how was your like final days in china any anything memorable any you know any i would say difficult you know processes you had to go through because you're kind of like detaching yourself from something you've attached yourself with for four to five years at this point yeah i would say i was really really busy right and and I was still working until like the second to last day. So I had these, like, I had this, I was telling people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take the last two weeks of work off because I have vacation days and, you know, I can use them and, uh, and all these things. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be, you know, maybe even do another little, little trip and all these things. But then it's like, there's always more work to do, always more work to do. Um, and I was busy. And there's a lot of like, oh, processes to, getting everything taken care of with leaving work, leaving apartment, um, financial things and travel items and things like this. Just so much hoops to jump through. Uh, so my last days in China, it's like, oh, busy, 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 hectic, hectic. And like the hard part, the difficulty is like making sacrifices because there's so many people you wanna see and still places that you want to go. Um, and you just can't, I just couldn't do it all. And so I had to like make sacrifices and kind of like compart, like, oh, I can only do two hours with you here. Or only, the only time I'm available is for coffee on this day. And, um, or, you know, really good friends in Chengdu or Beijing or something. It's like, I just, I'm sorry, guys, I can't make a trip. It's just impossible, especially with like COVID situation and yeah. things like this. Okay. So like, so that was difficult, you know, it was, it was hard to, to not be able to see some people and, um, and my final days in China, it was just like every single day, trying to at least like meet up with some people, trying to have a social occasion, like go out for dinner, um, go to KTV, go to go get coffee and, and or stop in an office and say goodbye to people. I think one of the really important like you just kind of have to accept that there's going to be unfinished business and unfinished things. Yeah. Um, and the really nice part about the final days is um, take your time to like be with people and reach out to them, the people that you care for. And like right. it's you, you break out of the routine a little bit and there's a sense of like gratefulness and love and these really like tender moments of, like, I appreciate you and, you know, this mutual appreciation. And so you get to have some like memorable, memorable, really memorable moments that kind of like dig a little deeper than just like the normal going out for some beers or going out for some real stuff or something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, now that you're back, back home, back in the States, land, I mean, land of the free home of the Braves. So how does it feel? Um, well, it's a little early to tell, but I spent some <laughs> yeah. time with family and right. that was really nice um, because I haven't had that for a long time. And the, the shocking thing was like how comforting that was. Right. Um, I think the natural environment 
is is it's like so different to have space and where i'm from mountains and just this huge expanse of sky and stars and things like this and i was living in you know big cities right i was in hong kong and then shenzhen and like literally if you look at the night sky in shenzhen it's total light it's very i mean it's not it's total light, bright loves to show off its light show and, yeah. you know it's a symbol of modernity and a symbol of um their economy and things like this and so there's yep. you know there's it's it's expressing values and expressing something cool about china but at the same time it's like when you go a year without like seeing stars or something like this or like a dark night sky um the big forest and old forest and things like this i don't know it just felt like warm and cozy and comforting to be home for a while right um and now that i'm now that i'm like in a new city and i'm about to start my academic program like i think this is when more challenges are on the way and right. so that's that's when i think i'm gonna when i'm start starting to face new questions and face new challenges and uh, face new people and wanting to develop friendships and things like this then then it's going to be a part of the culture shock of like oh this is different than how it was before you know? <laughs> but like so far after moving back from china is there anything that you're already like feeling different about like you know something that maybe you're not used to yet um well i think the obvious thing is like covid the posturing <laughs> towards covid is totally different between oh, the, yeah. the us and china um in the right. us it's kind of like oh you know eh. well everybody kind of on their own and so i don't want to reduce american people down to just like you know just careless and doing whatever but it's like if you want a vaccine here you go um you can get it and there's a lot of protections that vaccines can provide but people that don't want a vaccine it's like uh, you know you don't get it and you face the dangers that that carries or whether you believe or don't believe but there are dangers whatever you know that's that, that's your thing um and so it's just not a real like collective thing right um in general in general right, right. whereas in china it's a all in collective response um for a long time the there wasn't a huge like vaccination rate in china but there was like zero covid there was zero local infections for a long time because of this collective response that like everybody doing the right things following the like following the rules and following the proper procedures and standards then we can like prevent it for everybody else um and so you just make those personal choices and behaviors that like good socially positive behaviors to help everybody out um and like even vaccinated people in the US now it's like well, well there's breakthrough infections and if you are infected then you could infect other people your symptoms might not be that bad but if you give it to a kid or if you give it to somebody that has health you know underlying health conditions or somebody that's unvaccinated well then you could really screw them up bad um so do you wear a mask and a lot of unvaccinated or a lot of vaccinated people are like why no i don't need to wear you know things like this but right. also if you prevent one person from getting really really sick because of that thing that you do well you know that's something you know you would never know about it maybe about this you know outcome that you had an effect on but it could be a really really um you know great thing or you know you prevented a lot of suffering right. just from this little bit of personal sacrifice but right, right. i mean that's not really how people are thinking <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah it's uh and 
Yeah. They, I mean, I would say the Americans just have multiple approaches to how they view COVID. Like in China, it's like, it's, it's just one view. And that view is just like everyone's view. But in America, everyone have their own personal view of what they think should be the better sense yeah. of how to kind of treat COVID. So yeah, I think that would be a, a you know, that would be a, a bit interesting to see. But apart from, let's say, you know, the whole COVID situation, like, well, I mean, everywhere around the world, it's pretty much pretty fucked up at this point. I have to be honest. I mean, there's really no, not even one country that is not fucked up. But like, do you see, like, as, as an expat who just came back from China, like, what are the challenges that you're foreseeing in the future that you're going to have to kind of like face, especially like to kind of like re- I don't know, reassimilate. I mean, that's that's a pretty heavy word. Just kind of like, you know, resettle and like, you know, just kind of like, you know, get yourself back in the zone where you were maybe six years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I mentioned before, I think the nice, one of the benefits that living abroad gave me um, was that I like learned to solve problems in the sense of like self-confidence and self-reliance. Right. So like the basic things don't worry me too much, but where I think I will have difficulties is like socializing and right. making friends and things like this, because yeah, like I'm not the cool, I don't know. I haven't been in the U S I don't know the shows. I don't know the comedians. <laughs> I don't know the memes. I, you know, it's like, it's like, what do you guys use to chat? You know, and I don't know, is it Facebook? Is it, Texting is it, you know, Chinese people all the time would ask me like, oh, what apps do Americans use? And I think text, it's like, it's, so I just don't know how to be like, you know, do all the proper steps to like make somebody comfortable and be like, oh yeah, like this guy, you know, can, yeah. you know, he's cool. And like, you know, you can come to the, whatever, right, go right. to dinner tonight or whatever people do. I don't know what people do. Um, and so I think these deeper and Americans in general are kind of build up a little more like personal walls and private space and are a little like, it takes more time to get into their private space. And I'm definitely like part of that um, where I love, I I like being friendly and open and helpful in work. And when I, if you just meet me in person and you know, somewhere it's like, I can do all that. But then like the amount of people where I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be playing a dinner with my friends and do this. It's like, then it doesn't end up being a lot of, a lot of people because it's just, we just have that sense of like a little more guarded towards our private space and our private life. And um, yeah. And so I think like, okay, it's fun to have a lot of like cool, superficial kind of conversations, just chatting at a cafe, chatting, um, you know, at a street corner or, when you run into somebody in the office of the apartments or something like that, like that doesn't happen in China. And yeah. But at the same time, you might have this cool, fun conversation with somebody, but the amount of people that you actually like, you know, get to the level where it's like, Oh, come over for my dinner party or let's go do a barbecue or picnic or something. It's like, that takes time. And um, I think like social skills or like, I don't know, ways of talking and communicating that I just, I'm, unpracticed and haven't been in touch with for a long time so that'll be that'll be a change in like uh, conversations and classes and things like this you know my conversations for the last five years have been about 
you know, have been with mostly with Chinese people about things in China and life in China. Well, nobody likes the person that comes away and was living in Lebanon or was living in Egypt or was living in Ireland or was living in Japan or China and then comes back to their home country. And then all they talk about is their cool experience abroad and the things they did and all like that. Talk about that as little, you know, talk about it when it counts, but right. you can't just always go back to that. Um, right. And so it's like, well, but then I also don't have a lot else to draw from, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, your, your, deck's, your, your deck's pretty much stacked with like what I did in China topics, like <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, I'm so stuck with that. I've totally pigeonholed myself. <laughs> I went to China to like, you know, totally open up to the world, but now I'm totally pigeonholed. Um, yeah, so that'll right. be the fun part. It's like, okay. Now okay, I have yeah. to like really pride things guess, up. Because yeah, you, like you never wanted to be that guy who's like actually in China, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. So I I can definitely relate with that for sure. I mean, it happens. It's like whatever it you do, you then you have to kind of do a little bit of the opposite of that. Um, yeah, it's this sense of like eternal motion and cycles in life, and yeah, and so if you go into China and then all of a sudden you, you know, I think it's good to transition out of that and then you have to you know find other things to experience and engage with right so like um you know on on a lighter note like is there one thing about america that you've missed for so long apart from your family because obviously that's that's pretty obvious but apart from your family is that that one thing that you've missed about the u.s that once you came back you're like yeah okay this (laughs) this is what i've been waiting for for a long time Oh, um, a big one for me, I, well, I would say, I talked a little bit about like nature and that experience right. of just of kind of the natural environment feeling a little more present. Right. Um, but another one would be music. Uh, so I definitely grew to it really really like a lot of Chinese pop music and you know have tons of songs and like a growing list of songs that I like but I come from a different you know I come from this from listening to a lot of different music and going to shows and playing music with friends and things like this Um, and when I got back to America you know it's like those are those possibilities are available again um with the music that you know hits closest to home and so like especially now that i'm in nashville like this amazing thing i was like on facebook you know all of a sudden one of my one of my favorite bands you know it's like had this facebook post about shows that they're playing and like i would have never paid attention to that when i was in china but then i just look at it briefly and it's like oh nashville (laughs) you know one week after i get to nashville and whatever you know tickets are affordable and they're playing with another hometown band and it's like it's like oh my oh oh my god it's like i can go i can go oh my god oh i just got tickets you know it's like i'm doing it so you know that's cool that's cool i would never had something like that you know i almost went to japan once to see nora jones (laughs) nora jones i wanted to (laughs) wow you know that's how desperate you get sometimes it's like uh yeah all right okay like i mean for all the listeners out there, maybe you've got one music recommendation that you can like that you can recommend, Nathan, like your favorite, like your all-time top favorite. 
what would it be? Um, it be one well, track. I mean, what kind of vibe are we going for? My all-time top favorite, oh, God. Um, I would say Bob Dylan, but um, I think right. that's pretty, like, culturally specific. That's a pretty Americana um, choice. Yeah, it's a pretty Americana kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, he's definitely, like, the one for me. Um, for Chinese music, I really like... Um, Li Zhongshan and Jonathan Lee, I think, would be his Yue, kind of like how it gets mm-hmm. kind of translated or his English name or something. Um, and yeah, boy, um, do you have, do you want a, another genre or anything? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, like, you're all time favorite music, and Bob like Dylan. The band that I'm going to see in, in Nashville mm-hmm. um, next week is Wilco, and, and the other band is Cedar Kinney. And so Cedar Kinney's a little more like, um, Lib- uh, liberal feminine like liberated woman pop punk music and it's right. just so cool they're pretty hardcore and they come from olympia washington which is um uh, the the capital of washington state the state where i grew up and they're just great great people who have been making great music for probably two decades or so um right. they're either in the rock and roll hall of fame or going to be in the rock and roll hall of fame yep. and still making new music and um yeah so uh, and I, I don't know a whole lot about them, but there's some just they have a really devoted fan base. And Wilco also kind of hits into American roots music and folk music, and they're um, amazing musicians. Yeah. Right. Cool. 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 Well, you know, one last thing, Nathan. Well, not exactly, but like, you know, one of the last things. Like, if like nowadays you're seeing more and more expats kind of like moving back to their home countries, especially with COVID and everything. You know, especially I know a lot of them who moved back from, I don't know, different parts of Asia back to like, I don't know, back to the West or the other way around. People who have been living in the West moving back to their home countries. So for, you know, expats who have been moving back to their home country or is about to move back to their home country, I'm Mm. pretty sure they're going to face some reverse culture shock that maybe you've faced or maybe (laughs) you will be facing in the coming days. Any tips or any... I don't know. How would you approach it? Considering that you haven't really, you know, exposed yourself back completely. How would you approach it? Um, well, tips for moving back, I would say, um, like anchor your transition in something like for me, I have a graduate program to begin. And so like that kind of is like, okay, that's something that's going to happen. And that's like the steps to complete, to be able to start that. Mm -hmm. And I have this kind of small community that's already like tailor-made. And so I'll have people to talk to and I'll have things to do and I have something getting started here. And so I think if you can, if you are making this kind of move and you have the opportunity to like don't wait until you're totally burned out and just feel like you need to go um but instead like figure out what opportunities are available and if there's something that seems really attractive um and you know kind of fits your personal development plans and things like this then you know make that happen over a period of time and it'll probably be much better um instead of just like going back and then feeling oh, I felt lost over there. And then I come back here and I feel lost again. Um, And I think that happens. (laughs) I think that happens to a lot of people. Right, right. So leave on a high is basically what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And, and like I said, I felt like I had unfinished business, but you know, like keep some of the things like for performance, keep the people wanting more, you know, it's better, <laughs> to, leave, it's better to leave when people want more. And I guess for personal life too, it's like, it's, you're, it's better to leave with some unfinished business when you want more than to like, you know, you know, right. burn out. Yeah. Right, right, right. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, one last question there, Nathan, like, um, cool. If there's one thing you can take with you from China, whatever it may be, what would it be? I don't know. You, you can you can even take Haiti Lao with you if you want. <laughs> well, I think from personal, like, what did I actually take? Um, Baijiu. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's like of course. two bottles of Baijiu. Um, and that's one of the big things I took. Um, Mao Tai? On a, like, personal, like, kind of interior kind of level. Um, well, definitely language. Um, and I think for like always to, to not be super impulsive. And when you find out when something's not going how you think it should go or um, something totally different from what you expect, then it's like, give it some time, let it settle and like understand that it could be totally different, but it can work out, you know, and you're going to learn something from that. And so just like, just not always reacting to your strong emotions, I think is a good thing that I'll always have with me as well. <laughs> right. Nah, right on, right on. All right. Well, honestly, Nathan, thank you so much, man. I mean, you've shared a lot. I mean, I hope you had fun. It's been a pretty... It was, it was a blast. It was, see, I told you, right? I told you. See what I say, what I say. Thanks I so mean, much. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of people right now, I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners who are PHBS students are super interested in what you had this, like, you know, your story just now. Oh, my. So, yeah. So I'm pretty sure, you know, I hope they, they I mean, they're pretty satisfied with the, with the story because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I would say there is no international student who don't know who you are back, uh, back in PHBS. So, I mean... Mm listening to your story would be something that they could at least, you know, to kind of like leave on a high in a, in, you know, one, one could say. Well, it's a joy. And part of my job before was being able to talk to international students about their story. And, you know, yeah. and one of the great things about this podcast is like everybody's stories, everybody's story matters and it's you know, true. has yeah. some amazing things. And a lot of times when we're just with ourselves, we don't think about, you know, we don't think about, us as an individual that way yeah um but like this provides a space and provides an opportunity to like make everybody into you know like what they kind of are to the world in this public sense and so yeah you're doing really cool work here thanks so much brandon <laughs> thanks and Thank um, you, i hope to hear many more i mean you're four seasons in you're well into four seasons in, <laughs> so keep it going Thank and you. Thank you. you know listeners then turn into guests and guests turn back into listeners and exactly. so exactly Let's just keep it rolling i know exactly well once again man thank you very much i mean i mean the stories have just been absolutely amazing it's been very inspirational and yeah i mean like you said i hope guests becomes listeners and i hope future listeners will become guests yeah all right sure. well anyways thank you guys as well for tuning into this episode as usual please follow us uh, on our instagram at bentopodcast.id if you have any questions any sort of i would say whoops any sort of uh comments or anything of those sorts please email us at bentopodcast2020 at gmail.com and yeah once again i'm your host ben thank you for tuning into this week's episode and i'll see you on the next one all right bye-bye